Amen. God is good. Okay, let's just turn to your neighbor and uh, tell them that we're happy to see them today. Man, I'm just, I'm so happy to see all of you today. Where my, where my Thai team at? Hey, hey. Some of us are in Itaewon. We have uh, three amazing members uh, that were joined, that joined us uh, from ECF, which is a church in Melbourne, Australia. And I want to give a quick shout out to Jenny, Michael, and Austin. We love you guys. Y'all are awesome. Uh, we had such an incredible trip. Uh, this is. I think my 11th uh, missions trip with New Philly. And um, this, and, and you know what? I know I'm sanguine. I know I think every trip is the best, but I'm telling you, <laughs> let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> I'm playing, honey. I love you. Um, but it was the most incredible trip ever. Ever. I mean, I'm so, I'm almost, I'm, I'm like, what, what, I was shaking. I don't know what the word was. I'm almost shaking because I'm so excited to share with you um, all that God was teaching us on this trip. And I really believe that some of the very principles are things that he wants to establish at this church. And, uh, you know, first of all, I just want to give thanks to all of you that have supported um, the trip. Uh, I know that as a whole, the house you guys sent us, we felt your grace. The UPS team, big shout out to you guys. Your prayers, all of, uh, all of you who have fasted. Those of you that have financially supported the team. We just, we just hope that even today's message, that it will bless you tremendously. And that you will see just the tip of the iceberg of the fruit that uh, was established in Thailand because of your seeds that you sowed. And uh, we just want to honor each of you. We're so thankful. Big shout out to all those that supported me personally. Thank you. This is my uh, testimony. I, I preach it. I don't write it. I always preach. But anyway, I preach it. And so uh, we had 16 members total on the team, 13 from uh, New Philly, three from ECF. And for the first half of the trip, we actually had Samonim join us. Uh, Samonim, who is the pastor's wife of the lead pastor here at the KM Ministry. And, you know, one thing that we realized, uh, we had reflected on the book of John before going on the trip. And uh, Lisa was our team leader, and she's gangster. Uh, she's my cousin. Like, for real, she's my cousin. Uh, her mom and my dad, they're cousins, so we're second cousins. And, um, but I'm scared of her uh, in the best of ways. I mean, she really, she really established a spirit of excellence on the team. And uh, she wouldn't settle for anything less. And, uh, you know, we reflected on the book of John uh, in the course of our training. And John was, it was rich with just kingdom principles that we needed for this trip. And uh, one thing that we learned from reading just the simple gospel was the mission of Jesus Christ was to reveal the Father's heart. If there's one thing that Jesus did on this earth was to reveal the Father's heart. And uh, that's something that we believe we carried when we were on this trip. We knew that we were called to reveal the Father's heart. And one way that we did that was we contended for signs and wonders. Do you know that the Father's heart is to bring restoration? That it's his heart to bring healing to, the, to those that are sick. 
and we contended. Let me tell you, uh, on the books, uh, we got, we saw about 59 confirmed healings while we were there. Some of these included uh, a woman who had knee pain for about two years. We prayed for her, and uh, she was 100% healed from her knee pain. Uh, one lady, she had uh, uneven legs. We saw leg grow out. Actually, this was really funny because our sister Susie Ree and our brother Michael from ECF was praying for her. And when Michael was holding her leg and Susie was holding her feet, they noticed that there was a pretty big difference. And uh, Michael thought that Susie was pulling the woman's leg because he felt the leg grow. And later on, when we were doing testimony time, just sharing with the team, he's like, you know, yeah, Susie, you did a good job pulling her leg. And she was like, I don't do that. I don't pull her leg. <laughs> he's like, what? You didn't, wait, you didn't do that? And he realized that he just felt the leg literally grow out. And what was so cool was when she was walking, she still looked like she was limping a little bit. And we're like, oh, no, was it not full healing? But when you see her shoes... Her shoes were so uneven because she had walked for so much of her life with uneven legs that even though they were evened out, her shoes were like this big of a difference. And so it was just, it was amazing. That was our first, our first uh, ministry time, ministry time. We saw that leg grow out. Um, we saw shoulder pains, back pains. Um, we were able to pray for a man who was paralyzed completely on his left side. Uh, he had gotten to a crazy motorcycle car accident um, about, I think, two years prior to um, when we saw him. And uh, we were just really contending for his healing. And uh, Susie Park and I, we were laying hands on him. And he wasn't able to even open up his, his hand, really. And in the course of our prayer, we saw him begin to stretch out his hand and close it. Susie was just like, you can do it. The whole time she's like, do it. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and so we're able to see his palms stretch out. And we were uh, asking him to try to walk. He had come in with a walker and, and we saw him walk without the walker. And um, so we saw some really cool things. Uh, we uh, hit the beach for some beach evangelism. Um, we got to stay at this really cool hotel. And uh, uh, we went to hit the beach, and what was so crazy was we saw um, uh, CCC. They were having a conference at the same beach. And then navigators were having the same uh, conference at the same beach. So our team was trying to go out prophesying and, and you know, uh, doing some power evangelism. We kept running into missionaries. and But it was divine because those missionaries, they were really encouraged. And a our team was, we were able to pray with accuracy and really blessing them. And so it was really cool. Um, sister Arabelle, who is a sister from Itawan, her and I, we were partnered up. And when we hit the beach, the first place that we went to was, um, the women that give massages. And I was like, listen, if there's one thing I know is it is, um, it's easy to get really tired, aching on your body if you're giving massages all day. And so I was like, let's go there. And so we walked in and we learned only a couple of phrases in Thailand. Uh, but because I've been to, this is my sixth time going to Thailand actually. And because, um, I've been there so many times before. My tie still is terrible, but there's two phrases that I'm, I'm very accurate with. One is jet my, which is, do you have pain? And the second is my jet, which means no more pain. And so we walk up, you know, <laughs> to these women who are, you know, masseuses and, and, and we were just trying to really conversate. Uh, we also knew how to say God loves you in Thai. And, and so, you know, we're just talking with them and just lost in translation. They had no idea what was going on. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to pull out the Jet Mai card. And I was like, Jet Mai? 
And so they thought that we wanted a massage. And so we kept going, Jet Mai, Jet Mai, like touching our, you know, our shoulders. And they're like, oh, you know, we can give you massages. And we're like, no, 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 you, you, you. And finally, about like five minutes later, they realized that we were trying to ask them. And one lady, she points to her shoulder and she goes, Jet Mai. And uh, I looked at Arabelle. It was her first time doing um, this kind of evangelism on the beach. And I was like, go for it. And she just like laid her hands and prayed a, a simple prayer. God, I just pray healing over this woman. I command all pain to go. Manifest your love towards her. And she lift, takes off her hands. And the woman, I, she was just like, huh? And we're like, my jet, my jet. And she's like, my jet. But we're like, oh, I mean, a little bit of a party. And then the lady next to her who said that she was completely fine all of a sudden was like, oh, Jai Mai, Jai Mai. <laughs> and we're like, all right, all right, all right. And so, you know, I laid my hands. I prayed. And um, we prayed. And the first time we prayed, she said she still had pain, which I loved because we really want, um, you know, we wanted honesty. And so she was just like, oh, still painful. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's okay. I'm going to pray one more time. I prayed. And. 100% completely pain was completely gone. And so, you know, it was just, it was incredible. And you know, not only that, but these are things that we saw in previous trips, but I believe that our team took it to a whole nother level. And what I mean by that is we really contended for creative miracles. And, um, you know, we, we were standing on the floor that was once our church's ceiling. Uh, before we went on previous mission trips, and we would pray for the sick, and we wouldn't see a single person get healed. A single person. And suddenly, throughout, we contended, and, and each trip we went out, and we prayed for healing, and we saw a little bit of it trickle. And then we hit one trip where we just saw, boom, so many healings, and we knew we broke in the next level. Well, on this trip, we believed that we were really doing damage on this next ceiling. And whenever we saw a blind person, a deaf person, a paralyzed person, instead of walking in the room and be like, oh, our team would walk in and be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's going down. Like, we would look at the deaf person and be like so excited. Like, we were crazy. And, um, you know, from every, every church opportunity, every ministry opportunity, we were just like, God can do it. And we pressed in. We prayed. We contended. And we really fought for it. We uh, did some street evangelism. And Susie and I, we saw a, a woman who was blind. And actually, when she opened her eyes, you couldn't see her pupils at all. It was completely white. And she was um, singing songs in order to get some money. And, um, you know, we went straight right to her without hesitation. It wasn't like, oh, what if God, you don't heal? We just, we were just like, no, let's do it. And so we stepped up into a whole nother arena of faith. And, you know, um, we didn't see that many crazy healings in terms of that blind woman. She didn't get healed. We prayed for a deaf man. He improved a little bit, but he wasn't completely healed. We prayed for a man who was again, paralyzed on his left side of his body, but we didn't see any immediate fruit, but it didn't matter. We weren't phased and we knew we were punching through a whole nother ceiling. And we know that Nepal, they're going to punch in that whole ceiling again. And soon we're going to hit a place where we're going to be sharing testimonies where back pain, just like back pain, oh, that's easy. We're going to be like, oh, paralyzed man, easy. Amen. We're going to hit a whole new level of faith. And so I'm, I'm just so proud of the team. I really believe that we took it to um, a, a new place, a new place of faith. Um, and we really contended without hesitation, without faithlessness. We went for it. Every chance we got. 
Um, another way that we believe that we release the Father's uh, love was through activation. And it's something I shared during Friday Fire, but we were really able to encourage the believers in Thailand. I want you guys to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Uh, this is a passage that Pastor Marcus actually received before going on the trip, and we really took hold of it. Uh, Romans chapter 1, and we're going to look at um, verses 8 to 12. This is Apostle Paul writing to uh, the Romans church. Um, let's just read that together from verses 8 to 12 on the count of three. One, two, three. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Amen. Amen. You know, every day during our training, uh, we prayed for the people that we were going to meet in Thailand. We prayed for the local uh, missionaries, the local pastors, and we sowed in prayer. So by the time we got into Thailand, we were so excited to meet them because we had already sowed prayers. And, you know, this passage here in Romans, it just beautifully sums up what happened to us. We were there to impart spiritual gifts, but we left mutually encouraged mutually encouraged. And so we went and we just were able to activate, you know, we were able to minister to five different schools, five public schools, and all these public schools are Buddhist schools. And so when we walked in and did our, did our body worship and our presentation, we did it in front of a big Buddha right behind us. And I don't care, Buddha. You know, we walked in, we're like, nothing, 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 (laughs) absolutely nothing. I mean, we, we worshiped, we prayed, we loved on those kids. We gave hugs on those kids. And, um, a couple of those kids were actually students of the local minister that we were working with. And she was already really sowing seeds in these schools. So you would think, um, a 200 student school and about five of them are Christians. And those five of those five Christians were going out to Bible study with this local minister. Her name was Pigorn. And so when we went, we went not only to release God's love, but we went to encourage those students. We wanted to say, yeah, you're five students here amongst 200, but you're part of a big family. You know, we spent time not only ministering to the whole school, but after when we came back to our lodging, we invited the students to just come and visit us. And so we spent a lot of time. They would come after our our whole presentation. Everybody on our team gave testimonies, by the way, powerful testimonies. Um, But after the, the typical ministry time, we just had some fellowship with these kids. And they were changed. Like in the beginning, they were just like this or like all excited about David. Um, he was kind of like our open door everywhere we went. Um, he was like our K-pop star. And so he'd walk in and, and literally all those kids that weren't paying attention were like. I mean, we have full focus. Trust me. I mean, you know, praise the Lord for what God was using David for. And we, and, and he, he milked it. We milked it. Listen, it's all God opened the way. All right. Where there was no way he opened the way. And so. 
you know, a lot of them were very, um, they were very shy, especially the believers. You know, they were really excited, but they were kind of unsure. But in the course of the five days that we were in one area called China, I mean, their hearts just began to open more and more and more and more. And it was powerful. We actually took a couple of those, those students to evangelize, and it was their first time. And they were on fire. Actually, a couple of them with David led a few of their classmates to the Lord at the marketplace. And so, you know, we just saw some amazing, amazing things. Um, But I do have a message. And uh, the the message that I want to preach today is something that I believe was key to our team. Was key to our team. Was key in terms of why we saw the fruit that we did. And relationally, why we were walking in such oneness. And uh, I want you guys to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. We're going to be reading verses uh, 15 to 16. Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, let's just read it all together. Uh, Here we go. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 19. I'm going to read that for you guys. It says in the word, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. This is the year of increase. Amen. And I believe that God wants to increase this house and he wants to increase you in your personal life. But if there's one thing that you need to understand about increase is increase flows from unity. And that is why we're coming off a season of intimacy. 2011 was a year of intimacy and it was a a big setup. We had no idea that 2012, our theme was going to be increased, but God knew he perfectly planned it out because he understood if he can get the body to come together, then he can grow us with the growth that can only come from him. How many of you want to see growth that can only come from God in your life? Let me hear an amen. Amen. Unity brings increase. There is an understanding that we need to have that we're part of a body. You know what our problem is? Our problem is, is an independent spirit. It goes rampant. You know what? I don't need you. I can do it by myself. We're taught to be independent. The way that we grow up, the way that we learn, even in our schools, we're taught to be independent. But in the kingdom of God, independence is not in the kingdom. In fact, we're called to be part of one another. It says here that the joints and the ligaments growing together, then the body grows. You're not the body. You may be a foot. You may be a hand. You may be a finger. But you by yourself is not the body. Together, we are the body. That is a revelation that the church needs to hold on to and we need to fight to keep because the devil is continuously trying to tell us the exact opposite message. 
You know, if one part of the body grows, you know what you get? Uneven legs. You know what happens when you have uneven legs? You get backache. You know what happens when you have backache? You get neck pain. You know what happens when you have neck pain? You get stressed out. When you get stressed out, you get migraines. I'm talking about a growth that's not inconsistent, but a growth that happens together. This year of increase is not an individual thing. It is a body thing. It is a body thing. We're called to rely, to trust, to love, to believe, to work together. It says in Proverbs 18, chapter 1, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And he moves against all sound judgment. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Let me tell you something about isolation, especially when you're struggling, folks. The temptation is going to be, you know what? Let me just back off a little bit and just spend some time by myself and lick my wounds till I feel better. Then I'll come back to the body. I just need some time alone. Isolation is the very scheme of the enemy to have you separate from the very body that can bring your healing. From the very body that can bring restoration in your life. And isolation, the very core of isolation is selfishness. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. It is selfish for you to separate yourself from the body. Hear that word. It is selfish. But get this. In order to be part of a body, you need to learn how to be selfless. You need to learn how to die to yourself. But when you learn how to die to yourself, you position yourself for life and for increase. It's kind of like it doesn't make sense, but in the kingdom it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. You know, the problem is we want to be fruitful, but we don't want to die to ourselves. You know, we were reflecting in the book of John as I, as I shared, and we learned about the seed A seed needs to die first before it can be fruitful. And the problem in the church is often we get so excited about the potential in who we are as a seed that we forget to die to ourselves. And we have a whole bunch of people celebrating their potential and nobody bearing fruit. You know what I have inside of me? You know what God told me I'm going to do? And then the span of your life passes and no fruit. Why? Because you didn't learn to die to yourself. You know, we're part of the body. Amen. Amen. And if there's one thing that the devil wants to do, it's to bring division. It's to cause division in our body. The devil is about division, but God, he's the God of reconciliation. He's the God of oneness. Now, the devil's plan, his, his plan is to divide, to separate, and to, to make the foot believe that he's more important than the hand. It's to make the eye believe that, that it's more important than the nose. It's to make you believe that you're more important than your neighbor. That's the devil's schemes to get you to think more highly of yourself than you do your neighbor. And the moment we do that, we position ourselves not for increase, but for destruction. You know, can you imagine if each of our body parts had a mind of its own? 
Oh, Lordy Lord. If my hand had its own desires and my foot had its own desires and my hand's like, you know what? God told me I'm going to heal the sick. And the foot's like, you know what? God told me I'm going to go to China. And each of them kind of going in their own separate ways. It's not going to happen. But every part of your body is in submission to your mind. You know, if I look at my hand and I say, hand be open, it's open. See? Submission. <laughs> but what happens is we have people in the body who don't, aren't submitted to the mind of Christ, who is the head. Who isn't, who didn't die to their own desires and are living God's desires and God's heart. And all of a sudden God is saying, hand open, and hand doesn't open. And we got a spirit of rebellion up in the house rebellion you better you better submit oh okay good hand in submission we're not the head jesus is the head there is one head but we are part of the body and we do need one another to do god's purposes the destiny that he has for your personal life you will not be able to achieve without the body let me say that again the destiny that god has for your personal life you will not be able to achieve without the rest of the body yes this hand you are designed to see healing but you know what you're going to need the feet you know what you're going to need the hips you know what you're going to need the shoulders you know what you're going to need every other part of the body we got to get rid of our selfish ambitions and learn how to die to ourselves in order for God to reign in our body here and for us to actually live out what we've always been called to do. That's why we don't see destinies that we were prophesied over. That's why we don't see it play out. Because people don't understand that the body carries the answer. That we need to do it together. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. amen amen we need to die to ourselves amen you know one thing that you know we were really moving in 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 our thailand team was that very principle trust me we died to ourselves i mean the way that we served one another the way that we you know what um you can shower first You know what? You guys can sleep. I'll kill every mosquito in this room so you won't get bit. Susie Park, thank you. Bless you. She was our mosquito assassin. And uh, no, no, for real. Like, she was like ninja skills up in there. Like, she killed mosquitoes with her bare hands, with the, with the shoe, with the towel. Like, she just, you know. And, and the thing is, every night before, before we slept, she made sure that every single mosquito was killed. So the rest of us, we're just laying there, you know, chatting it up. And Susie's all like, <laughs> I mean, she died to herself. Let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, everybody uh, fulfilling their very roles. You know, we were, we were a body, uh, we were like a well-oiled machine. We had different roles on our team and everybody knew their role, operated in their role and, and understood that we needed each other's roles in order to complete the task. We knew that we weren't going to see salvation with just VBS. We needed, the, we needed the message to go out. But not just the message. We needed, we needed the people to just uh, a hug on the students. We needed every single We needed Judy to, to take pictures and capture what God was doing in order for you guys to be blessed. I mean, every role was needed. And nobody was trying to take over the other person's role. 
It wasn't like, Judy, give me that camera, girl. I can take better pictures than you. No, we respected the role of one another. And not only that, but we affirmed and encouraged one another. We appreciated one another. It it needed to happen like that. Because if we had uh, 16 people thinking that they're the the preacher, we would have had a problem. If we had 16 people thinking that they were going to lead VBS, we would have had a problem. No, we needed 16 people with 16 different roles in order to do what we were called to do there. And listen, when I preached, it was the whole team. And when Joanne and Michael were leading VBS, it was the whole team. And when Emily was giving her testimony, it was the whole team. We understood that we were able to celebrate in each of our roles because we were one. There was power in that. Now, if the devil schemes is trying to divide, there's one thing that he wants to bring um, into the house. And that is the critical spirit. Mm-mm. Look at your neighbor and say, mm-hmm. Oh, you guys, you guys are going to have to work on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the critical spirit, it's induced. The critical spirit is designed to induce pride. It's designed to induce pride, and it results in division. If you got the critical spirit, you just stepped on your platform. If you're pointing your finger at somebody else, you know what you just said? You just said, I am better than you. And right there, you just, you just, you're like the hand that just walked away from the body. You're like the foot that just walked away from the body. You know, the problem with critical spirit is we're so good at it. Listen, I'm from New York. I'm basically like, I was raised in criticism. You know, in New York, you get applauded for your criticism. How good are you at criticizing? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, then you got wit. Oh, you're witty. Oh, you, you can tear that person down. Oh, you're wit. You're, you're clever. We, we magnify, we applaud, we give props to people who can tear other people down. I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem when the church is more trained and more skilled in tearing people down than they are in building them up. And you know, I come from that background. My tongue was a sharp tongue. And I meant that before I started preaching, I, I was a fighter. But I wasn't a physical fighter. I was a fighter with words. I let, I let my friends fight physically. And I'd be in the back like, yeah, get him. You ugly. You know, like just, I don't know, doing all sorts of craziness in the background. I mean, our society, it teaches people in order to tear them down. That you're intelligent if you're able to do that. That, that's just, you know, we come from a culture where we applaud that. I remember when I was growing up, your mama jokes. That was like, so, you know, when Christian and I first started, you know, just sending text messages, we didn't have covering, by the way, you know, no covering led to text messages, um, before we even dated. And, uh, when we were just sending text messages back in the day, we used to send each other mama jokes. I don't know why we did that. But we just thought it was so hilarious. Like, yo mama. I'm like, hee hee, yo mama. <laughs> I mean, we did, we took a love language test while we were in um, Thailand to help love one another. I swore that my love language was like sarcasm. I, I thought that that was my love language. Young, so young, I understand you. You know what I'm saying? Ch- Chile, I understand you. I remember when I first came to JSCM and, and I met, which was our church. That's what we were called, Cherisongdo English Ministry. And when I was first meeting people, I was fresh out of New York and I met this girl and she was from Jersey. I was like, where are you from? She's like, Jersey. I'm like, ew, Jersey. (laughs) But you know what that meant in my language? That meant I want to be your friend. (laughs) 
No, you don't understand. That's what it meant. And then I waited because it was her turn to tear me down. And in which case our friendship would have been established. Then she would have said, where are you from? New York? Like, New York? And I'd be like, oh, we're friends now. I mean, there was some twisted mindset going on. Like, I realized early on in the game that people didn't understand that language of haterade. Because I was so, I was so positive that everybody understood that language. Jersey. Wow. But deep down, I'm like, let's be friends. I mean, it was my love language. I, you know what? If you're Korean, you'd understand this. You go into family gatherings and you're like, oh, emo, happy new year. And she's just like, you got fat. <laughs> Translation, I love you, niece. You know what I'm saying? Or are you still single? Translation, you're beautiful. You know, I mean, like, we have made the excuse that tearing people down, all we're doing is just keeping it real. It's because I love you. That's why I say that. It's because I love you. No, I really think that the devil has done a number to steal away one of the most powerful attributes of God's people, which is their tongue. And is using our tongues to tear people down and not build them up. And it is a problem when we applaud someone's wit, when they criticize somebody, and yet we don't know how to affirm them. You know, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Why don't you just turn there with me real quick. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, it says this, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm-mm. Some of us, we need to wash our mouths with soap. You know, I don't know if you guys ever saw that growing up, putting a soap bar in your mouth. I didn't get that. I just got the mimic stick. But I know some crazy white people. Oh, that was racist. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all John Newfeld's fault. He started. Okay, anyway, that was me. Okay. I, I was having a flow. Some, some, some crazy people in general, you know, they put soap in their mouth. Oh, Lord, your grace just released this. Break that critical spirit. Um, see how, you see how that flows? You know, we, we need to take the filth out of our mouths. Uh, point taken. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, what happened was when we were at the airport and we were getting ready to go to uh, Thailand, um, Marcus made a joke uh, to Judy and hurt her feelings. And uh, right away, we made up this rule that if you make someone feel bad, you got to affirm them twice. Now, something that I realized when we made that rule up was one, oh snap, we're going to spend a lot of time affirming one another. <laughs> and number two, as time passed, we don't know how to affirm. And what happened was we would say just these clever things about how, you know, so-and-so is, you know, dumb or stupid or all this stuff. But when it was time to give our two affirmations, our teammates were just like, um, you're awesome and uh, you have pretty hair. Like, we didn't know how to affirm one another. We just didn't know how to do it. 
And so in the beginning of our trip, our affirmations were pathetic, really. It, it was so bad that people requested for me, like, that don't count. You better give me another one. <laughs> I mean, we just, it, we weren't wired to affirm. We, we noticed that it wasn't a natural thing. It was natural for us to crack a joke at your expense, but it wasn't natural to, to see something inside of you and call it out. And so we had, we had issues in the beginning of our trip. And, and we decided, man, we got to really learn how to tame the tongue and be able to use it to build up and not tear down. You know, there's something about training your eye to see. And for us, our eyes are way too trained to see the faults in one another. We're too skilled in that. But we're not trained to see the good in one another. We're not trained to see the gold in one another. And that is a problem. Because what you say, you establish. What you say, you establish that person in that place. And so, you know, I don't know if you guys ever been on a treasure hunt before, but it's a type of evangelism where you ask God, God, show me clues about the person that you want us to meet. Because we believe that people are God's treasure. And sometimes on these treasure hunts, we get color. So I know for me, I've gotten red in the past. And when you get the color red, okay, red. And we use that as a clue. So when we go out to evangelize, we look for people who have red. Now, when you, when you do that, all you see is red. Okay. When you say, oh, red, I got the, I got the color red. When you walk out, you just see the red, you see the red stitching. I mean, you see the red lint in someone's hair. I mean, you see the red, you see red, everything you see red everywhere. Why? Because you trained your eyes to see that one thing. But for us, we've trained our eyes to see weakness and to see where people just don't, they're just not good enough. They're false. But we need to train our eyes, folks, to see the gold in people. Because when the moment you do that, I'm telling you, you will be able to see something that you've never seen before. And that is that person in the spirit. And you can tell that person that's running away from the church and being, you're strong. You could see strength inside of them. Why? Because you've trained your eyes to see the promises of God inside of people, not the effects of the enemy. That's powerful. And so we went on this affirmation rampage. Thank you. All we did was affirm one another. Okay. It was crazy. I think we spent Susie, a total of 10 hours, 10 hours of our trip in total in pure affirmation during meeting times, during, um, just in passing, it was intense affirmation time. And initially what was funny is not only was it hard to give, but it was hard to receive. And you saw people just, you know what? You did a great job speaking today. And people are like, mm. or people can't even look at you. They're just like looking at the floor, you know, cause it's just so, aw- we don't even know how to receive affirmation. That's a problem, but we're so good at hearing criticism. Aren't we? We're so good at, at receiving people's remarks that tear us down. And we remember those, we replay those, but we don't know how to receive affirmation. That's a problem. It says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life, the power of death and life are in the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Your tongue has a power for death and life. How have you been using your tongue lately? Or is your tongue skilled in tearing down or is your tongue skilled in building up? 
And I'm not talking about brown nosing. I'm not talking about, oh, you're fantastical. Oh, everything about you is perfect. Oh, yeehaw, yay, you know? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> okay, I know where that came from. We spent one day painting a house and we got a little bit too much of the fumes. And like for fit, for like hours, we just started speaking Southern. Well, hey, Kathleen. Anyway, anyway, that's just paint fumes. But anyway. You know, no, I'm talking about sincere affirmation. You can't give a sincere affirmation unless you're paying attention. Do you know that? It's hard to affirm somebody when you haven't been paying attention. And so we knew at the end of the day during our team meeting, we were going to affirm some people. So when it was time for them to share their testimony, for them to preach, for them to do VBS, we were paying attention to how they were doing it. That way, when we were giving our affirmations, it wasn't, oh, you did a great job with VBS. It was, you know what? When you made eye contact with those kids, I saw their hearts open. You did such a great job. I'm talking about real affirmation, substantial, not just brown nosing, not just, you know, lifting people up just, just because, you know, you want them to feel good. I'm talking about noticing the gold inside of them. You have to be perspective. You have to be uh, uh, perceptive to do that. And, you know, because we were constantly doing that, because we established a culture of affirmation, a culture of honor on our team, there was no room for the devil to cause division. We were so one, it was crazy. There was no beef. There, oh, that means no uh, uh, anger towards one another. <laughs> there was no, um, we didn't have any fights. You know, we had a couple of confrontations, but it wasn't even serious confrontation. It was done in love. And both of them walked even more in love with each other afterwards, more stronger than we were before. Um, we, we just had a place of safety. And you know what the coolest part of affirmation is? Is when someone steps out onto water and you affirm them, they stay there. Now, here's the thing. When Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on water, what made him sink? Doubt. When you go out and you share your testimony for the first time and you walk out and, wow, I think I did good. You know what happens to anybody and everybody? Doubt starts creeping in. Man, I don't think I should have said that. I should have added that. I didn't do a good job there. But no, we didn't even leave room for that. Because by the end of the day, you would have gotten 16 affirmations saying you did an amazing job, details why you did a good job. And you know what? We found our whole team walking on water the whole trip. Do you understand the power of that? But when you go tearing people down or criticizing people with a critical spirit, the moment they stepped out into water, you're going to have them sink. Why? Because of your words. Because you didn't perceive what God was doing in their life. We want a church, a body that works in sync, a body that works in sync and walks on water and stays walking on water stays in that place of moving in the impossible. And my team was bold because we were affirmed. We stepped out because we were affirmed. We made mistakes and it was all good because we were affirmed. We fell down flat on our face sometimes with mistakes, but it was okay because we were affirmed. There is power in affirmation. I want you to just turn to your neighbor and I want you to say one good thing to them. I know it's hard, but I want you to try it.
Oh man, look at people are struggling right now. People are struggling. People are struggling. Oh Lord, help us. Oh. All right, all right, all right. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Y'all, y'all did a good job. Okay, y'all did a good job. Now tell me, why is it so awkward and unnatural to affirm and to receive affirmation, but so easy to criticize and receive criticism? That is not the culture that resembles the kingdom. And in our house, we're going to establish a culture of affirmation. We're going to be the hand that says to the feet, you know what, feet? You're awesome. I appreciate the dirt that you've been walking in. I appreciate the fact that you've been uh, tired all day with blisters, but you've still been moving forward. I honor you. And the foot saying to the hand, you know what, hand? I honor you too for touching nasty things all day long and not complaining. <laughs> and, and you know what? Healing people with your hand. We want to be a church that uplifts, that perceives, that pays attention, that affirms, and that walks on water. I want you guys to just close your eyes with me. And we're just going to take some time, and I want, I want this word to just marinate in you. You know, the power of affirmation is incredible. The things that we taught the students in the schools, they weren't, they weren't really sophisticated things. It was, God loves you. You're his favorite one. He cares for you. But those words had power. In fact, we saw students, non-believing students, break down into tears, sobbing when they got that simple revelation that the father loves them, that the father thinks that they're beautiful. There was such power in affirmation. And I believe that God wants to sharpen each and every single one of our tongues to be ones that cut down lies of the enemy, but establishes truth in his people. It doesn't take skill to criticize. Get that truth out of your mind. It doesn't take wit to bring someone down. According to the Bible, it's foolishness. In fact, Proverbs 14, 21 says, he who despises his neighbor sins. But the moment we begin to understand the power of life in our tongue. And the moment we begin to understand that we're part of a body, we enter in a season of a growth that only God could have accomplished. Now we're going to do some prayer right now. And a couple of you in this room, you lived your life being criticized, and in turn being critical. In fact, if you were to just even think about the last week, 
and you've been thinking about the things that have been coming out of your mouth, you know that most of it has been critical. I believe God wants to set you free today. No longer are we called to be the devil's instrument. We're God's mouthpiece. And I believe God wants to break that critical spirit off of each and every single one of us. I want you to just keep your eyes closed, fixed on him. If that's you, if you know that you've teared some people down in the name of joking, or maybe in the name of just bitterness, and and you know that sometimes it just comes out, It's so natural for you to criticize, but you want it to stop today. I want you to just stand to your feet. God, I thank you that you're opening our eyes to just appreciate. That when we affirm, we appreciate. And there's so many people in this room that have felt not appreciated. They've sewed in to their families. They sewed in to their workplace. They don't feel appreciated. But God, I thank you that the answer is in this house. And that as brothers and sisters, we would begin to appreciate one another. We would begin to affirm one another. We would begin to die to ourselves. And begin to join together, ligament by ligament, joint by joint, bone to bone, flesh to flesh. And God, that we would see an increase, God, that can only come from you. We just thank you that you're doing that right now in the spirit. That you're changing our mindset and you're changing our eyes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go, go hug somebody. Go hug somebody. Tell them that you love them. Come on.